If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. This is the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk, TNT. Hello and welcome to the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk TNT. It's Wednesday. How are you all doing? We have a magnificently busy show coming up and we'll be joined by Senator Ralph Babbitt later. He's achieved something amazing in the Australian Parliament. In fact, it's all go over there at this moment in time. We'll be discussing that later. But first, let me tell you what I believe is unquestionably a miscarriage of justice. Today is the first part of a two-day hearing in the High Court at the Court of Appeal. It's starting from 10.30am. Oliver Campbell's murder conviction is expected to be overturned. Now, I've interviewed Oliver before. Lovely man. He's known as the gentle giant. He's been fighting to clear his name for 34 years, and he's hoping that finally justice will be served. Now, some background on this story, because obviously when we hear about murder convictions, we become incredibly emotive, don't we? And immediately, if there's a, if there's a face, if there's an image, then that's the person. Well, I absolutely categorically believe Oliver is not and was never the person. So some background to this story. On July the 22nd, 1990, shopkeeper Baldiv Singh Hundal was shot and killed during a robbery in Hackney, London. Police found a baseball cap near the scene and matched it to one that Oliver owned. He'd recently bought it. It later emerged that it had been stolen from him. At the time, Oliver was a highly vulnerable 19-year-old and he made his disputed confession after 14 police interviews. He was tried and convicted in 1991. Now, many professionals have since heard that police interview. I've heard it and I agree with Oliver's supporters that his police confession was conducted under extreme pressure and doesn't stand up to scrutiny. As Oliver said, I was put under pressure to say things I didn't want to say. His solicitor said at the time that his confession would be ruled inadmissible today because of his severe learning difficulties and the fact he had no legal representation when he apparently confessed. He should have at least had an appropriate adult with him. As a small child, Oliver had suffered a very serious brain injury, which left him with the mind of a nine-year-old. He was brought up in care and he also had a foster mother who he remained very close to. Now, Eric Samuels, who was convicted of the murder, has always said it was not Oliver who was with him. And he went so far as to identify the real murderer. But police were, this was not, it, this information was not given in court. It was ruled inadmissible. It was ruled as hearsay. And the jury never got to hear that there was actually somebody else that the killer himself had said was responsible. Despite this clear eyewitness evidence, Oliver spent over a decade in prison. It has always been an unsafe conviction. There is no forensic evidence linking him to the scene of crime. And those who know Oliver, including his representatives, say he's simply not capable of conducting such a crime. In fact, in 2015, the local MP wrote to then Home Secretary Theresa May um, asking for a campaign for, for justice. Nothing happened. The Criminal Cases Review Commission had previously rejected 
his um, case for appeal, despite fundamental questions being, you know, about this very conviction. Oliver said, I went into prison innocent. I came out innocent and I've been innocent all the way through. I was put under pressure to confess to a crime I did not commit. The problem for Oliver he is, is he is on a life license, which means he can be recalled to prison at any time. So even though he is out and about, he is not a free man due to his criminal um, record. His barrister, Michael Birnbaum, and I'm going to quote him, has stated much of the police questioning was misleading and unfair. The law and practice regarding the way that mentally challenged suspects and defendants are treated has changed very considerably in their favour. Met Police, of course, the, the police uh, responsible for the charge are sticking by the conviction. In a statement, Metropolitan Police said the case was fully investigated at the time with a range of evidence brought before a jury. Yeah, except the name of somebody who was actually supposed to be the person responsible. Um, hopefully the Court of Appeal will do the right thing. But even if they do, Oliver will not be compensated. It's awful. The government have changed the guidelines so that compensation will only follow if there is absolute proof that he was not responsible. It's terrible, really. So let us hope for Oliver's sake that this is overturned. I believe that we are looking at an innocent man who has been innocent for over three decades. And on that note, I'm going to bring in Gemma Cooper. Bringing you a worldview. I like to hear what's going on around the world. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. And it's Wednesday's edition with Gemma Cooper. Hello, Gemma. How are you doing today? Well, okay, Sonia, you know, but hearing the, the facts of that particular case and that particular miscarriage of justice, uh, which is exactly what it, what it sounds like, you do rather wonder how many other people, especially, you know, there was a certain culture among the police uh, decades ago, you know, with attitudes to black people, how many other people are languishing in, in prisons or were in prison, uh, having been forced to confess, uh, you know, for crimes that they didn't necessarily commit, you know, that we all remember in the UK, if, if you're of a certain generation, certainly where I live in, in the West Country, Bristol is the biggest city here. And the amount of uh, deaths of black people in police custody, you know, and the classic kind of trope that was trotted out at the time of people falling down the stairs and having, quote unquote, uh, accidents and slippages whilst uh, in police custody mysteriously died. You know, you go into the station, you never come out. That was huge. That was huge in the 70s and 80s, you know, with, with regard to attitudes to, to people with different color skin. So, you know, as with a lot of things with a story like that, I think that could be the tip of a very murky iceberg at a time when trust and confidence and faith in our police force in the UK is at an all time low. Unsurprisingly, now because of stories like that and all the other stories we've heard about the Met Police over the last what year, couple of years, you know, the WhatsApp messages, the rapes, the, the racism, the, the, you know, it. It's not a great look for the police on a Wednesday morning in the UK, is it? You're spot on right, Gemma. I have to tell you a quick story. You're actually on the day of Margaret Thatcher's funeral. I was a witness at the Old Bailey and it was for a murder trial. And I walk, when I walked in uh, to, to take my place and give evidence, there was literally a row of 10 young black males all accused of the same crime. And uh, I gave my evidence and the person responsible was uh, eventually found guilty. But that was 10 young black men who were hauled up when there was one person responsible. 
So you're absolutely right. It's it's that old thing, isn't it? And that is when young white men walk together, they're friends. When young black men walk together, they're a gang. And that has gone on for so very, very long. So you're absolutely right. Hopefully, if Oliver's uh, conviction is overturned, as you say, it will open up, you know, a, a corridor, a window to other unsafe convictions being overturned. Absolutely. Let's see. Let's see how the case progresses and, and what, what comes back, you know, over the next few days and what, what we have to say on this very show here on uh, TNT. And it would be it would be very nice. And, you know, if he was up to it, uh, you think of the distress the man's been under. But to, to hear him tell his side here on on TNT on your show, we, we why not? Let's approach the guy. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Well, I do know him and I know the people around him. And so that is in the offing. So let us hope so. Let us hope that we all get the result that I believe is absolutely deserved here. And I don't say that lightly, Gemma, because obviously in our business, we encounter some most unsavoury characters, don't we? So it's very rare when I can be absolutely determined and sure that I am right in saying that this is an unsafe conviction. So on that note, what are you here to talk about today? Well, this is a story that, you know, for, for people uh, who are tuning into TNT, th there's no surprise on the, the actual facts of the story itself. Uh, what's interesting is the reaction. And also, you know, we're talking about narrative changes, you know, uh, trust in the police is crumbling, trust in, in, in Big Pharma has gone, <laughs> uh, trust in media. But what's happened this morning is that, that some outlets are reporting that this all-party parliamentary group, um, which has uh, been kicking around now for, for quite a few months, has written uh, to the health secretary, uh, raising serious concerns about the MHRA here in the UK, the Medicines and Healthcare Regulatory Agency, uh, all about the vaccines, the jabs, uh, and saying, you know, that the MHRA knew about the crossing and heart issues uh, very, very early on, uh, didn't include it in, in patient safety, and knew about myocarditis and pericarditis very, very early on and waited months before it included that in safety data. And also they're criticizing the MR, MHRA's uh, yellow card reporting scheme, which they say isn't fit for purpose and only picks up one in every 180 cases of, of serious harm. Now, we all know that the jabs are dangerous. We all know they should never have been rolled out. Uh, it's an all party group of MPs uh, and uh, they've written to the health secretary, Steve Bryan, and apparently he's written back to them saying, you know, an inquiry into public safety is very likely. Now, uh, you know, Ash, they're really, I think, specifically talking about AstraZeneca, um, which was withdrawn in many European countries extremely swiftly, not so here in the UK. Uh, this group is alleging, as we know, that uh, the MHRA knew about things in 2021, February 2021, didn't start publishing data until April and didn't publish data on myocarditis or pericarditis until June 2021, by which point 24 million people had been vaccinated and counting. Um, now, MPs are now saying, oh, isn't it, we know we need to have a look at the, the data of jabs. We need to have a look at, you know, what the safety of vaccines and why the MHRA can't do its job properly, why the MHRA isn't picking up adverse reactions. Now, a lot of people, I've garnered some response to this story this morning on social media, and unsurprisingly, a lot of people are saying, it's no good now. It's no good It's no good changing the narrative now. It's no good saying we need justice now. I, what about my MP that I wrote to, you know, two, three years ago, highlighting all this? Um, other people saying it's too little, too late. You all voted for lockdowns. You all said the jabs were safe and effective. You know, why couldn't you have done your job? Absolutely 
at the time. This is an all-parliamentary uh, cross-party group made up of around 25 MPs. So it's MPs from all over the political spectrum. Some are saying, you know, it's a good thing and about time. But the most of the reaction is, is, is you, know, <laughs> you know, call me cynical, but will anything happen of this? You know, somebody saying here, I wrote to my MP several times, all they did was fob me off. Um, you know, too late, too many have been duped and damaged by these experimental jabs. Um, you're, you're all busy promoting safe and effective at the time. Um, so it remains to be seen what effect this does have. In the meantime, of course, the greatest miscarriage of justice of all is how many people rolled up their sleeves and took this and how many people are now, uh, you know, awaiting justice, awaiting justice, much like the story we've just discussed uh, because of the coercion. Will this have any effect at all? And what will happen if, if like this miscarriage of justice today, this does open the floodgates for the millions millions that we know have suffered vaccine damage and the compensation case that might follow in their suit. We don't know. But I just find it interesting, the reaction of people are saying, way too little, way too late, don't really believe you. Narratives are crumbling, but is it enough? I, I have such mixed emotions about what you've just said, and I think I fall into all different camps. And that is, is it better late than never to speak up? I know one man, an ex-cop, who's currently on bail for sending um, several emails to his MP. And he was arrested, um, allegations of harassment, and he was raising the alarm saying there's something wrong with these jabs. Look at the excess deaths. He was literally arrested and he's been bailed. And that is an ex-cop who worked within the confines of the law. So imagine what everybody else has been experiencing. And we know the fallout is absolutely huge and immense. But ultimately, surely it has to be better than not to raise the alarm, doesn't it? Well, you know, I I, I agree. I do agree. But MPs, <laughs> they, oh. I don't know. With you see, they're MPs, and do they do they know the public mood? And they're thinking this will be something you know I can I can garner election votes on when it comes to representing my seat in a few months' time. We know there's going to be an election. I don't know. I don't like to be cynical, um, but it does. You know, why couldn't they have put their intuition head on or critical thinking head on three years ago, four years ago? You know, I think there is a case to be said of, you know, I wrote you about this. I'm talking about people, I'm quoting people off social media, off X, people saying, well, I actually wrote you about this in 2021. You fobbed me off. You told me I was a tin four hat wearing nutter. Is it a massive turnaround? I mean, people can have their red pill moments at any time and MPs are part of that. But um, I, I, I'm kind of, I can see it from both sides. I mean, that's a journalist's job, isn't it? To see it from both sides. And this one I absolutely do clearly see from both sides. I can see the cynicism in the reaction of people, especially if people like your uh, policeman friend have been plugging away and, 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 and trying to raise the alarm and, and now being told, oh yeah, you might have had a point. Well, it is quite frustrating, isn't it? It's quite frustrating if you've been banging your head against a brick wall for something as dangerous as these jabs and being told that you're an idiot, you're a conspiracy theorist. Uh, okay, people are catching up now, but that's only, I think, because of the huge uh, raft of vaccine damage that people are seeing and, and, are, and are having in their everyday lives. I think that's the that's the re that's the only reason actually that this investigation into the MHRA has been called because of the sheer amount of people having adverse reactions. Absolutely. I just thought I'd have a look at uh, the chat and some other comments coming in. Gemma, I have to say, whatever you've seen on social media this morning in response to your question, it's being repeated here. 
Um, it's saying uh, one example, Chris says vax compensation should be paid by pharma companies. They can afford it more than taxpayers. Um, and then there's quite a few comments. Uh, this one in particular, all those, uh, uh, another Chris saying all those who supported the jab and are members of the WEF, World Economic Forum, should be arrested and charged with mass murder and treason. I mean, I think people are rightly angry, um, absolutely rightly angry. We're going to be talking to Senator Ralph Babbitt later. He's managed to, thank goodness, get the issue of excess deaths um, recognised to a certain degree in the Australian Parliament. But again, you know, it, uh, we need we need faster movement now. People are dying. People have died. And all we have, Gemma, is a TV drama which uh, seeks to, you know, confirm the narrative that they want. It is very frustrating. But thank you so much for bringing us that this morning. I wasn't aware that that had happened. And I'm sure many of our viewers weren't either. This has been Wednesday's edition with Gemma Cooper. I will be back shortly. TNT's Dean Mackin. Some would argue where it comes to Julian Assange, he has more than done his time, whether that be self-imposed or where he currently finds himself locked up, but just that time that he spent in the Ecuadorian embassy. That was way more time than he ever should have served. And what did he do? He told the truth. Somehow you would think if you were new to this world, if you were a visiting alien, if you were a child who was growing up in this world, you would learn quickly that if you tell the truth, if you advocate for what's right, you'll be punished. Apparently, that's the lesson to be learned. Dean Mackin on today's News Talk TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification, five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are Opportunity Zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. CO2 sustains all life on Earth, but now it's in long-term decline. We face the return of an ice age. We mandate that the truth be told. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. We do indeed mandate that the truth be told. And in order to be able to do that, we need your support. If you are able to support us in any way at all, we would greatly appreciate it. No matter how small or how big, all you have to do is go to the TNT website. You'll be able to find the donate button, which is, I believe, is next to the contact button. And as I say, if you're able to donate to us, we will greatly appreciate it. There are, of course, a million other ways that you can also support us. You can go to the merch store, plenty of merch there as well. And please continue sharing and talking and and commenting we love it all 
and we need it all. And uh, let's keep building our army because that's what we're all about over here at today's News Talk TNT. Talking of which, I am so delighted to welcome my next guest, Montgomery Toms. He is a former student. He's an activist. He's an outreach worker. His video went viral when he talked about his experience of daring to speak out about so many important issues during COVID. And he's here with us today. Good morning, Montgomery. How are you? Good morning. How are you? Pleasure to be here. Oh, well, it's wonderful to have you with us. Thank you so much for joining. You're going to join me for the news review today, which is magnificent. Really appreciate it because I think we hardly hear um, enough, I believe, from your generation and especially uh, members of your generation who have their heads screwed on the right way. Give people an idea of what happened to you um, in terms of your education. Well, I'll try and sum it up as quickly as possible. Um, well, go going back, uh, you know, I always frame it this way. And when I say that uh, COVID hit when I was 14 uh, and now I'm 18, almost 19, actually. So it's quite a spectrum, quite a timeline. Um, so I, I went into to school um, and went into the, the streets of London from about the age of 16 and went back to school when I was 15, um, taking on the mandates, taking on the masks, taking on the vaccinations, taking on all of the, the nonsense and uh, tyrannical measures that they push forward. Um, and kind of that's evolved into con being pretty consistent with activism uh, and then taking on the problems as they come. And you did it superbly. And uh, that has resulted in a lot of trouble for you, hasn't it? Yeah, uh, this is why it's, it's always an important point, actually, because uh, when people say to me, why do you do this? I always explain to them that it's it's not because I enjoy it. <laughs> it is not like I have uh, uh, the, the what I have to sacrifice versus what a 50 year old man has to sacrifice is very different because I'm losing out on the most exciting prime years of my life, many would say. So because of that, you know, I, I've lost, well, ask people who know me personally, I've not got the most uh, amazing uh, range of friends and uh, I've been excluded from education. I've been excluded from mainstream life, uh, but that's a path I've chosen because I just could not submit to their version of the truth. And what do you mean by excluded from education? Well, I, w I went to a university and the last time we spoke, um, I was at university and I was sort of on the the tail end of my short-lived career there um i didn't last very long at all uh, and because of their approach to not so much the covid policies because of course that's that's not as uh, prominent now but the, their approach to pronouns the uh, trans ideologies um and all other things in that sphere uh, regarding gender politics basically um i i pushed back on within an instant and i can tell you that on my my first day there they gave me a piece of paper and on this piece of paper uh, it was almost like there, there were 10 points that we had to follow rules of the 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 uh, institution and kind of nearing the, the bottom of the list um it was you must ask for people's pronouns first and if you don't submit to that, that rule then what you're doing is you're going against the uh, institution's rules um, and because of that you can have sanctions and you can be disciplined well, I, once I read this and realised that um, I'm not going to be submitting to this, uh, I realised I don't know how long I'm really going to last here. Uh, and all I did was put out some speeches that I did, and they found me on social media. The students took me on, reports were made against me, um, and very quickly I realised I'm not going to survive in this institution. Um, and, and another point they had on there was that um, because I'm white and I'm a male, 
that somehow gives me a privilege that means there's an unspoken hierarchy between me and other individuals. So someone who's maybe black or mixed race, because I'm white, I then dominate them in some respect in this oppressed West, Western world, which is obviously a pile of rubbish. Um, but where do you start with this? When people are pushing this forward, um, it's a more cognitive dissonance, which I was not prepared for. I knew I was going into an institution which was going to be crazy, but I didn't realize it was going to be quite on this level. So I pulled myself out as quickly as possible and uh, I got my money back, which is good. Excellent. That, that critical race theory is absolutely insane absolutely insane my daughter is mixed race she'd be horrified at the idea that she is somehow inferior to other people purely by dint of the color of her skin as indeed would i this is often as we know promoted by highly privileged privileged very middle class white people generally promoting these white ridiculous guilt. things yeah, it's ridiculous, absolute ridiculous stuff. Just grow up, people, absolutely grow up. And and to interfere with your education like that is absolutely obscene. How has it actually impacted you? Because as you say, you're only 18, nearly 19. How has it impacted you? Well, it's impacted me very positively in some respects, but I'll never know how negatively uh, in comparison, if that makes sense. I mean, I, I've had, I've met some beautiful um, people through go, taking the path I've taken. I've strengthened beautiful fr uh, friendships and relationships, but I'll never know how my life could have been if I didn't follow this path. Right. You know, I never know the other opportunities that, that would have come my, my way, but you can't think like that. Um, you've got, you've got to think, you know, that, that everything has moved in one direction for a reason. Um, and, there have been many a times where I've come home after college, school or, or university and just sat in a room and you just reflect on the day and you go, you have to, if you're going to take on the world as, as, as we do, you have to do it with this sort of stoic mentality of, of, of just forcefully going in battling. But when you're sat on your own in a room and you don't have these threats and you're just uh, alone with your thoughts, the, the, the kind of uh, forlorn uh, sadness it, it trips over you um, and, and it's not happy and it's not nice. And, and that is why so many people in my generation, for many other reasons, not specifically for my reasons, to be honest, I wish people would uh, fall back as much as I did, um, but ha have, have so, so many issues with just this, this sadness that they don't have the answer to. I don't know why that's Ooh. Uh, well we're going to be coming to that shortly that's a very important point that completely ties into what we're going to be discussing montgomery but let us go to some news headlines and we will be back shortly and we will crack on with this news review the news right here tnt radio news Roland here with your tnt headlines Washington has warned the situation in Ukraine is extremely dire, admitting the country's losing territory as Kyiv's forces retreat from their positions amid strong Russian advances. The situation is extremely serious right now. Frontline workers who were sacked or suspended for refusing the COVID vaccine in the Australian state of Queensland are celebrating a huge win. And Donald Trump and Joe Biden both won their respective primaries in Michigan on Tuesday, putting them on a path to a potential rematch in November. Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Now, I'd like to start with a story that uh, TNT journalist Gemma Cooper was discussing yesterday with me, and it's about how Labour 
uh, have unveiled plans to help schools train young male influencers to combat apparently self-proclaimed internet misogynists such as Andrew Tate. They're saying that there is an increase in, in misogyny in attacks on girls and female teachers in schools. Uh, there is a blame to a certain degree on male influencers such as Andrew Tate. Montgomery, what are your thoughts about this? Well, I've been very uh, strident um, on my opinions on misogyny and Andrew Tate since, you know, he really kind of came into into our world. Um, and uh, I can tell you that when I was in college, actually, um, I had Andrew Tate um, being being I was being told that Andrew Tate was a misogynist and I'm and I'm to stay away from from anything Andrew Tate related on the internet we were given personal development sessions which are these indoctrination sessions I call them to basically help us understand why we must fear this man and he is a misogynist and how it's terrible for young men etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but on a more you know general and 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 uh, recent note uh, the, the the idea that Andrew Tate is a misogynist, I reject entirely. I mean, I think the word misogyny um, has been redefined, um, especially when it, forgetting about Andrew Tate, I am considered a misogynist just on the basis that I believe men should be strong. Um, I think men should have resilience. I think men should be more traditional. And if we did have that, I don't even think we would be in the position we are now if we had men that were a little bit more uh, strong-willed and stoic. Um it's further indoctr indoctrination um, and without get you know labor uh, or, or conservative I you know what are are they different I don't know but the uh. but the point is um, they're trying to, to continue to indoctrinate young minds as much as they can uh, even in the lower end of, of, of education um, and in regards to misogyny what it's doing is it's teaching um, young men to be scared of their own masculinity um, and what what this this does is is it creates more dangerous men. And I'm not the first man man to say this, but if you try and box in a man, if you try and silence a man, they'll come out in a different way. It's in our nature, it's in our makeup, it's in our psychology to be more strident, to be stronger. That's not to say they're not doing a very good job of dismantling um, young men's minds. Um, but if I had my child in education. Um, which I don't expect to be doing, uh, I would be uh, very wary of the fact that it's not just Andrew Tate and that side of misogyny. It's a whole spectrum um, of ideologies which they're trying to uh, shut down to try and weaken young minds and to try and make them more submissive to their policies. If you have an army of strong men, they're going to be far harder to control than an army of weak men because it's the men they fear. It's the men who go to war. It's the men who take the bullets. It's the men who go and start revolutions um, and make them weak and they can try and uh, push forward whatever they need to push forward. This the, the idea that we can blame one man for being responsible for misogyny or problems between males and females is laughable to me, frankly. It, it fails mm -hmm. to take account of, you know, issues in society, the disenfranchisement of many, many uh, young males. And uh, so it, it, it doesn't look at society as a whole. And I just feel it's so cheap. The idea that, 
that in your place of learning, they're trying to indoctrinate you that this one person is this particular way is shocking to me. Absolutely shocking and horrendous, horrendous. That truly is indoctrination, isn't it? It really is. So, uh, you know, what can we do? Have you experienced misogyny? Like they're, they're talking about attacks on females in schools, for one example, attacks on female teachers. Now, attacks happen all the time, um, you know, uh, and, uh, and it can be done for a multitude of reasons it doesn't necessarily happen because a, a man hates a woman that doesn't necessarily happen that's not it doesn't necessarily follow through that but what do you think what have been your observations in in your education well i think you're always going to have uh, young men who may do something bad to a woman i'm not here claiming that men are perfect um and it's very easy as you just said to take an example like that and then use it as a pin of shame on Andrew Tate and, and look at him as the cause. I mean, we've seen this, especially over the past three years, of people not being able to find the, the fine line between um, uh, correlation and causation um, and, and the media taking a thing and the, those two ideas and conflating them completely. Um, I, I think my experience, uh, I think if we had stronger men, if men were strong, and their masculinity, true masculinity, were taught to be real, strong, um, good men, then we wouldn't have the issue as much of men lashing out. It's the fact, as I said, that men are being boxed in, aren't being taught what it is to be a man, aren't being taught that protective nature and that, 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 that masculine nature. It, it's not too complicated, so they wouldn't be lashing out at women. Um, what does that mean, a rise in... in uh, uh attacks on women i mean where do they get this information from are they inside education where are these statistics from it's so warped in their approach to trying to frame young men um and i think it's awful i mean i'm 18 19 i'm now of an age where i can look at this from a completely different angle uh, i can be a, a mature critical thinker whereas a, someone who is 11 12 i'm telling you i was in the situation where i was being given two hour sessions a week being told that my opinions made me an extremist and that if I was to push forward with my opinions, I'd be to put down a government prevent program um, because oh. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm pushing forward extremist ideologies. So imagine saying that to an 11 year old boy, you're pushing forward ideas um, like Andrew Tate pushes forward. Therefore, you could be classed an extremist. What young man's going to want to rebel to that extent? I would, Terrible. but, you know, I don't think I'm, I'm too common. Absolutely. I don't think you're too common at all, frankly, which is all to the good. But actually, let us link this into another story that's currently happening, which which again is about your generation. They're saying everyday problems of being young are now being pathologized, branded as mental health issues. They're saying that Gen Z are now more likely to be too ill to work than adults in their 40s. Does your generation have a problem with mental health issues, do you think? I can't stand the word mental health issues anymore. I find it so... Uh... Well, simply irritating. Um, I think my generation are useless. I think we're wet, to put it <laughs> to put it simply. I think we are uh, unable to think independently and be forceful with our our pushback. I always say, you know, it should be my generation that, that the government should fear. Instead, they use us and manipulate us the most um, to push forward their ideas. Uh, do I think there's a mental health crisis? Yes, and as I said earlier, I think they. They don't realise what their mental health crisis is. Their mental health crisis is them claiming they have a mental health crisis uh, because it's very the victim mentality within my generation is just obscene. 
um, and anyone will find any uh, example or in their day-to-day life of a time they might have been bullied or a time that they might have uh, felt a bit sad. Oh, I'm depressed. Oh, I must go on uh, medication the doctors told me to. Um, we are not supported. The thing is, I, can't, I could name maybe half a dozen examples of close ex-close friends now that, that would go to a, a doctor and say, I feel this way. They'd be referred from education. I feel this way. I feel sad or I feel I'm not being supported there. And rather than saying, let's say a young man, go to the gym, restructure your eating habits, right. sleep better. They say, here is some medication. Let's block the pain and carry on with your life. Carry on eating um, a load of rubbish, carry on not sleeping. Um, and this is just a complete self-fulfilling prophecy. It all feeds in to this, this weakening of my generation. So there is a mental health crisis, um, but my generation are latching onto the wrong part of what they, that, that actually is. And they don't know what what's affecting them. They truly believe in these ideologies to the point of they will want to, to disarm uh, and discredit my name to the extent they still do uh, on social media just because uh, I hold a difference of opinion. That's the mental health right. crisis. Not the fact that I actually- absolutely hear you. What was that very famous expression? What is it? It's no measure of health to be, you know, okay in a sick society or something. I'm paraphrasing mm. it very badly here, but that's the kind of gig. And honestly, isn't it a mental health issue to believe that you've been born in the wrong body? That's the type of thing you're talking about, right? Well, I did say that once. Well, not once, many a time. Um, and just just touching back on my process of university is I was on the outside of university continuing my sort of uh, you know activism and, and, and producing short clips and content referencing these ideas um, and one of the things I said and it was a clearly a reference to my experience at university at the time I said if you identify as uh, something that you're not you have a mental health problem and that for people, it, they, they genuinely go speechless because they cannot believe that I'd say something so awful. Um, but they also go around with a badge on that says, please ask for my pronouns first. So yes. <laughs> I don't know Indeed. what I, 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 I get. I get your absolute issue. Listen, I'm so grateful for you joining us this morning. I'm sorry we didn't get round to the WHO pandem- the pandemic treaty, okay. but come back and discuss it because I know you have plenty to say on that. Very grateful for you joining us this morning. Everybody, this is Montgomery Toms, a former student, activist, outreach worker, and just somebody who says it how he sees it. And we love that, don't we? I will be back very shortly with Senator Babbitt. Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malsberg. This past Saturday, before the South Carolina primary results were in, Donald Trump was at CPAC and he addressed the consequences of Joe Biden letting the illegal invasion into this country. It's migrant crime. It's a new category of crime. And I wanted to call it Biden migrant crime, but it's too long. So we just call it migrant crime. We have a new category, migrant crime, and it's going to be more severe than violent crime and crime as we knew it. Because we have millions and millions of people, and they came from prisons and jails. They came from mental institutions and insane asylums. No, they're not the same thing. An insane asylum is a mental institution on steroids, okay? It's a silence of the lambs. Okay, you know that. Hannibal Lecter. And here was his finishing touch. They're all being deposited into our country. And then you have terrorists, and then you have drugs, 
And then you have human traffickers, and they're coming over at levels never seen before. We've never seen anything like this. Vintage Donald Trump telling it like it is the reason he walloped Nikki Haley on Saturday in South Carolina. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malzberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. We all know what it's like to feel alone. But it just takes one new connection. Want to get out of here? To empower many. This is unbelievable. It doesn't take a superhero to bring forces together. We all have the power to reach out. Let's go! And help someone feel like they belong. Pretty cool, huh? We are stronger together. This is the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk. TNT. TNT. Well, many of you out there have very much enjoyed what Montgomery Toms had to say. Chris Smith said, when I was at uni, we railed and protested against the government. Yeah, it's a completely different game now, isn't it? Uni used to be a place that we'd go to be radical, right? Mogden said, a very wise young lad. And so say all of us. And talking about wisdom, I am absolutely delighted to welcome Senator Ralph Babbitt of the United Australia Party onto the show today. Welcome, Senator. How are you today? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your show today. Uh, I'm very pleased to be here. Obviously, we're going to talk about some great news that's just happened uh, in Australia here. I'm currently in our nation's capital at the moment. I'm in Canberra um, at the moment, and uh, we're currently sitting. So if you hear some bells ringing in the background, just ignore those. It's, it's not a fire alarm or something like this. <laughs> it's a bell calling us down to the chamber to vote on something. But I have gone out of my way to uh, get uh, get some leave from the chamber so I could be here with you today. Amazing. We so appreciate that. Thank you so much. Because what you're about to talk about we believe is an absolute first around the world, which mm. is something that has to be celebrated. We've come through a miserable four years and the Australian parliament is finally acknowledging a need for an inquiry into excess deaths as a result of your work. Congratulations. Tell us about it. Yes, look, it's, it's first of all, let's just rehash what we all went through over the last three years or so. I don't know uh, the situation exactly of what happened over in the UK, but over here in Australia, we were locked in our homes. People who were unvaccinated were treated like common criminals. We were denied our humanity. We were told that we were grandma killers. We were told that we were no good. Uh, in my home state of Victoria, where I live, uh, we had curfews because obviously the COVID-19 virus knows what time of day it is. And uh, if you're if you're outside after your curfew, uh, it's going to get you. But if you're outside any other time, it's not going to get you. It was absolute madness. Everything that went on in my home state, in my country, was completely unscientific, completely. It was as if um, our state premiers, our leaders, got drunk on power and just wanted to exercise that power. That's what it seemed like to me because it was not based in the science. And we can talk about that at another time. But recently what's happened is two things have happened. First of all, we've had a win in the courts. It's a small win, but it's a step in the right direction. What's it about? So in, I believe it was in 2022, uh, Queensland police and Queensland ambulance workers challenged their workplace mandates via the Queensland Supreme Court. 
with the financial assistance of my party and our chairman, Mr. Clive Palmer. So, Mr. Clive Palmer, thank you so much for putting your money where your mouth is and um, paying for this court action, this badly needed court action. So what happened? It took two years, but what happened? Basically, our Queensland Supreme Court ruled that mandates breached part of the Human Rights Act, which states that all public service employees must be given proper consideration uh, to their human rights, I should say, before making any decisions. And that, um, I guess, the government must act and make decisions that are compatible with human rights for employees um, in the uh, public service. Now, the court found, so there's two things here. First of all, there's Queensland police and uh, the ambulance workers. So first part, the court found that the police commissioner, and her name is Katerina Carroll, who, by the way, has just recently just recently resigned just before uh, the outcome of this court case. Maybe she resigned because uh, she didn't want to be in the frying pan. I'm just speculating. Who knows? But she has recently resigned just before the verdict was handed down. So it ruled that the commissioner failed to give proper consideration to human rights relevant to the decision to issue the vaccine mandate. Now, the judge said, and I, and I quote, and I apologize if I'm taking up too much time here, but I think it's important. No, please go for out. it. We love it. Yeah. So the judge said, this is what he said. He said, I have held that the police commissioner in making the decisions, the subject of contention failed to give proper consideration to human rights relevant to those decisions. As a result, those decisions were unlawful. Basically, um, decision to issue mandates, not lawful. First part. Second part. Now, the, this is in regards to the uh, ambulance uh, uh, workers. So the court also found that the Department of Health director was unable to prove that he issued the vaccine mandate under an implied term of the employment agreements for ambulance workers. So basically, he ruled again that the decision was of no effect and had no force, right? What happens now? What happens now? What does it mean? What does it mean? It sets a precedent. Okay. Yes, it does. It sets a precedent. Now, if one of our states, Queensland, has said, hey, this was unlawful, every other state now has to have a look at this. It gives ammunition to everyone else in every other state. Now, I would expect, and any thinking person would expect, that we'd see a massive wave of cases hit the courts now across Australia. And hopefully, Australia can galvanise people across the world uh, to, um, to you know, get get um, into the courts and make their voices heard and uh, demand justice, basically, for what happened to them throughout you know the last three or four years, uh, basically now. So everyone that was impacted by uh, these, look, in my opinion, it was inhumane actions, should yes. be, especially in Queensland, should be lining up for compensation. That's what they should be doing. I'm going to go one step further. I don't think compensa compensation is enough. I want to see the people in the positions of power that made these terrible decisions to be held accountable. And you know what? I want to see some prosecutions. I want to see yep. these, these people dragged before court and have to explain exactly why they did what they did. Because frankly, it made no sense. Now, in Australia, I don't know what it's like in the UK, but in Australia, we already had a pandemic uh, handbook already written out what you should do during a pandemic and all these kind of things. And in that pandemic handbook, it says absolutely nothing about locking a whole country in their homes, uh, locking up people that are not right. sick, 
putting curfews in place where you can't leave your house, um, saying right. you can only go five kilometres from it. None of this is in the pandemic handbook. So these people need to face justice for what they've done. That's the first thing. The other thing that's happened, and I'm I know just I'm have to say, you absolutely speak my language. I do not uh, think compensation is enough for a second. We need convictions. We need charges. Absolutely. Mm. And everything you've just said, by the way, Senator Ralph Babbitt is not only a truth seeker, but the easiest person to interview in the entire world because you <laughs> ask him a question and he answers everything. So it's absolutely I'm magnificent. Passionate. But I'm totally and we love it. Please carry on. I'm look, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about this issue. I'll tell you a bit about my background before I talk about uh, something else that's happened very recently in the Australian Senate. I was elected to parliament, not because I'm a career politician, uh, not because I worked my way up the chain uh, with one of the bigger parties, uh, you know, uh, because I paid my dues to the system right. and then I was given a safe seat to step into. I crawled and I scratched and I fought my way to this position and I was elected in 2022 on the back of all the draconian garbage that we saw all of our governments across the West push upon all of us. And you know what, that, there's, a, there's something to, to be said there and we could talk about this if you like, but uh, taking orders from unelected globalist bodies like the WHO and the UN, that's a whole other can of worms that we can talk about if you like. But um, I, yeah, so I came to this position from the outside, I'm an outsider. That's what I yeah. am. And that's why that's I'm talking like this. That's why I'm telling you the truth. Um, that's why I'm being uh, upfront and forthright about what's happening in, our, in all of our respective nations today. Now, the other thing that happened in the Australian Senate, and I believe this is the first time this has ever happened. Uh, unless I'm wrong, feel free to correct me. If I'm wrong, leave a comment down below or in wherever this uh, video ends up uh, being, if I'm wrong. But uh, the Australian Senate uh, just yesterday voted on, on, on a motion which I put forward. Now, the motion was very simple. The motion said that the Senate acknowledges that people are dying and that we don't know why people are dying and that we must investigate. I put it up for a vote and it got up by one vote. But what does it mean? Super important, super important. Finally, finally, a parliament, finally, our upper house, I believe the equivalent for the UK is the House of Lords. So our upper house has finally said, you know what? People are dying. You know what? We don't know why. You know what? Let's investigate. Finally. Now, it doesn't give us an investigation straight away. It just simply says that we need to investigate. The next part of this process now is I will go back to the Senate and I will say, my fellow senators, last week, or whenever I get a chance to go back, you know, last time that we were here, you said that we have a problem. We all agreed. The majority agreed. You said that people are dying. Um, you said that uh, we need to investigate. Well, now is the time. Here's my next motion to the Senate. Let's open up the investigation officially. Give me the resources. Um, give me the authority. We will go and investigate. We will find out what's going on. Now, I'm not saying that everyone, um, that all of these extra deaths are because of the mRNA injection. I have my suspicions, but I'm not saying that. But there is enough there for us to investigate and shed a light into dark places. The job of a parliament, especially of an upper house in Australia, our job is to investigate, is to look into things, is to find out what's going on. And you know what? Over the last three years, Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm the one who's mad. 
But our own parliament, our own government has not wanted to look into why its own people are dying. To me, that is freaking mm. madness, madness. But absolutely, them, they're okay with it. I don't know why. Yeah, but- I have my suspicions. Well, I mean, yeah. the problem about quote unquote complicity is it can make people behave like that. But, you know, that's just my opinion. But here's what's really fascinating to us is when all those measures were taking place, I think unquestionably Australia and New Zealand were considered the most tyrannical, the most draconian uh, around the world. I mean, England was bad. The UK was bad. Trust me, it really was. And a lot of what you said absolutely happened here. But it's quite phenomenal. The events of the last few days in Australia, this is like a 180 going Mm. on here. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. And, you know, uh, we, we, you know, we have to take the wins where we can get the wins. Of course, we have to do that. But we are seeing a shift here. Our governments, our parliament spent three years telling us that we were the crazy ones, telling us that we were going to kill grandma, telling us that we were bad, telling us that we were less than human. That's what they did. And finally, there are chinks in the armor. Finally, finally, because, the, you know, the wheels turn slowly, of course, in, in parliaments all across the world. I'm sure it's the same over in the UK. But they have finally admitted that there is something here that is worthy of investigation. And I think that, uh, you know, we need to be, we need to ca- you know, count our blessings that, that it seems to me anyway that we're on the other side now. And now we can start to push for justice. Now, I'm not going to pretend that it's going to be quick because it's just not going to be quick. But people like me all across the world in all of the different parliaments aren't going to put it down. We're like a dog with a bone. We're going to chase it down and we are not going to stop until everyone who suffered, and I'm one of these people who suffered, my family suffered, I suffered, my friends suffered, my colleagues suffered, we all suffered because we didn't want to comply with what, in my opinion, was tyranny. Tyranny is what it was, in my opinion. Yes. And yes. we need to make sure that the people that did this to us, all of them are brought to justice. I want to go off on a little tangent here, and I apologize in advance. No need. Go for it. I'm going to tell everyone at home that's watching this right now, and I'm sitting in my nation's capital now, and I'm telling you from my experience, the people that you elect to run your country are puppets. They are not the true wielders of power. Donald Trump likes to call, call this the deep state. And I'm going to tell you now that the deep state is alive and well in Australia, and it is alive and well in the UK Of course, it's alive and well in the uh, United States. We're all seeing that play out right now. So do everything you can, everyone that's watching this broadcast, everyone that's hearing my voice, you must be more involved in the political process. You must take action. Watching videos on the internet and commenting on social media is great because we get to share information. But once you turn off that broadcast, you got to join a party a party that's aligned to your values. Heck, I don't even care if you join one of the major parties in your country, if that's what you want to do. But you need to be active because if you're not active, the people behind the scenes that sit in the shadows, and they are there, that control the levers of power, that control, I believe it's Rishi Sunak who's in charge. Rishi Sunak, there, right? yes. He, he, was, he was put in place, no doubt, by the deep state because he, oh, we, we didn't vote for him to be prime minister. 
Well, exactly. The people behind the scenes that pull those strings, they don't have your best interests at heart. And I choose my words very carefully here. They don't have your best interests at heart. These authoritarian tyrants want nothing but to see you be a serf, be a slave, uh, be a peasant while they sit at the top of the pinnacle of power. And they use their agents in the parliament to, um, to bring that to pass. So do not be complacent. Get active, join a party, run for parliament, make your voice heard, because the West, all of the West, is is looking um, is looking down a barrel right now. We we are not going up; we're going down. And so, let me read you some of the comments. Lou said, "You're a legend." Ralph Babbitt, you. you are a legend. Peter Folder said, this is giving a bit of much needed hope to Australia as it did have it tough. Absolutely. We had it tough, but we recognise that you had it tougher. And Catherine Hutton says, puppets need to be held accountable for the crimes against humanity. And somebody else whose name I can't see says, this guy is a dude. Wish he was in the UK. And so say all of us. Well Senator Babbitt. We're going to let you go. You've been absolutely phenomenal, as I knew you would be. Thank you so much for joining us today on Sonia Poulton's show on today's News Talk. This has been a show about justice and injustice. Let us hope we, we continue to see more justice always round, including in Australia, including all, the, all around the world, including for Oliver Campbell. Thank you so much to everybody who has contributed to the show today, to the phenomenal Senator Babbitt, and to you, of course. Stay incredible. Stick with us. TNT has a whole raft of amazing shows coming up. This is Wednesday and we will see you tomorrow. Take excellent care of yourself. <laughs>